You are listening to Rethinking Manhood. And if you don't know, now you know. I appreciate you all for being on this journey with me thus far. And today, I'm really excited about this. But today, we're going to take it back a little bit. We're going to take it back. We're going to take it back. We're going to take it, take it, take it, take it, take it back. We're going to take it back. Oh, Lord. Take it back, dear Lord. To the place. Sorry, y'all. I've had coffee and i'm just excited about this episode anyway in this episode i'm going to take you back to a project that i did um maybe a year a few years ago on black masculinity uh while i was in grad school and part of this project was bringing black men together to talk about black masculinity and manhood and i want to share some bits and pieces of that for this episode really insightful conversation um it was about an hour-long conversation but super dynamic powerful all of the great things. So I hope you enjoy this episode on black masculinity and manhood. Let's go. Um, I would chime in right there for that is saying that as a guy, one of the things you always taught is to never lay your hands on a woman. That's one thing I always learned. And I wrestled with that as a kid. I was like, okay, I never lay my hands on a woman, but what why do girls have a right to lay their hands on me and I can't do nothing but let them hit on me? I do not agree with that. <laughs> Cause I'd be, that'd be so many problematic. I'm like, if I don't have to put my, if, a woman, if I don't have to put my hands on a woman, tell them not to put their hands on me. Cause I'm restraining myself as much as possible before I explode. <laughs> so that'd be like one thing that I feel like, even like if like, talk about toxic masculinity, I feel like that should be not one sided. That should be something that should be discussed on both sides. But how do you have healthy conflict if you disagree without laying hands? And how do you verbally communicate with each other in different ways, shapes, and forms? Yeah. On that subject, <laughs> my mother did not raise me not to put my hands on women. She's always told me when I was younger, if a woman can put her hands on you, <laughs> then you can hit her back. Mind you, right? But society always told me different. So it was kind of this kind of like middle ground, <laughs> like what's going to happen? And, you know, let's just say that as a kid, some things happened, right? <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> um, it's it's interesting because I've definitely well, I know from my parents, you know, I was taught the same thing that you know Isaiah was. You know, that's just something that you know you don't do. You, I understand. Like in certain situations, it might feel you know the rest, it might feel hard to you know to to keep that restraint. Um, but definitely, you know, I was taught you know that's something you don't do. You look for you know any other you know, option uh, other than to, you know, kind of like retaliate, retaliate in that manner. Um, but thinking about something else, which just made me think about was one of the things that I know my dad specifically, and even my mom at times, like really tried to get me to think about is when you're interacting with women or even like as a kid with girls, like just think about the things that you do and say and, and think about like, well, you have a mother, you know, you have sisters, like, how would you feel, you know, if the same thing that you're doing happened to them? Like, how would that make you feel? And so I feel like in a lot of situations and a lot of times, like, I always kind of have kept that in the back of my mind and, and thinking about, well, you know, because, you know, we all know if this one our own, we, we ready. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're not hesitating. 
you know, we ready to stand up and defend, defend one of our own. So just, you know, that was one of the things I felt like really stuck with me. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that. Um, you know, growing up, I had, like I said before, I had three sisters. So me growing up and, you know, learning how to treat a woman was always something that I already knew how to do until I got older and got out in the real world and figured out that a lot of women aren't like my sisters or they're not like my mother, like the things I would do, you know, going on a date and being like, oh yeah, like I'll hold the door for you. And they like, why you holding the door for me? Like, that's weird. And it's like, what? I do this for my mom. But not only that, on um, with what um, Vincent was saying as well with, you know, knowing what you say to a girl. Because I remember growing up in school and um, I said the wrong thing to a young girl and she thought I was making sexual comments. And I remember it, it shook me because, you know, I got in trouble and then my mom asked me, you know, why would you say that to that person? I'm looking like at my mom, like, mom, you, you got to believe me. Like, I, I would never, I would never say this or, or do this or that. But, you know, always watching what, you know, a, a woman does to say, and even with the hitting, I remember I've, I've been involved in a relationship where the girl used to hit me so much and I couldn't do anything about it because I was always taught not to hit women. Uh, for me, one thing that I would say uh, that I always remember that was like a no-no was, you are a man, you don't cry. Like in my household. <laughs> and it was weird because I was the youngest, so I was probably the most picked up one. <laughs> and it's like, you don't cry. You fall, you don't cry. And then I went to school, um, I went to boarding school, and it's like, you don't cry, you are a man, you know? So now you have another couple hundred other guys that you live with, and you all have the same idea of you have to be the toughest or you're going to get bullied or something. And then you move to the U.S. where you're like a thousand miles away, and you still have the idea of you don't cry, even if you're sad or, you know. So I think that's one of the things that is like men don't cry. And it's like, I don't know. It's, I still feel some type of way about it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't learn that at home, Billy. Like I learned that in the world, right? Like, I don't know if it, like my mother was not an emotional person. Like, I think that's clear to know. Like we just, we were not an emotional family, but my mother never told me I couldn't cry, right? Or never told me if I was crying that there was something wrong with it or, or anything like that. Like that is something that the world kind of put on to me. And I, and I, and I, I, to a certain extent, I accept it. And I think about that as well, right? It's like how much, how much the world raises us, right? Like our parents do so much right they can only do so much but we go out into the world right we listen to music we watch tvs we watch movies um we go to school right we're, we're engaging with hundreds of people daily to be honest to a certain extent and it's like how much of our raising is put into that because i think sometimes we don't think about that right especially if if some of y'all have your own children or whatnot like when we send our, or even your nieces and nephews or whoever else when we send them out into the world right and think about the fact that like it's not just what we gave them, but it's also what they're receiving. I think about that all the time. I can piggyback off that. Um, man, there's many times where like, just like Gail was saying, 
Like, I, I didn't have a crying household. Like, even when I did cry, my mom would be like, why are you crying instead of, what's wrong? Are you, like, it would be like, why are you crying? And so I would, like, suck it up real quick. And just even, like he said, your parents can only do so much, but the world does more. Like, me getting in high school, people telling me, crying is okay. And I'm looking like, yeah, nah, bro. Like, nah, I don't cry. And I remember literally the first time I would, I would never, I would never, ever let somebody see me cry. The only person that has ever seen me cry in front of them is my grandma. Because, <laughs> you know, my grandma, she's, she's my lady, you know. And my mom is too, but my grandma's dear me. But, you know, she was the only, <laughs> she was the only one that seen me cry the most because she was always there, you know. And. I feel like the first time I ever cried was when, um, and this is on national. This is this is on national TV. I played at the George Floyd funeral, and um, just being there, and I could feel like the sadness hit me as soon as I walk into North Central to the chapel room to like play like. No, I, I didn't care who was there. I didn't care who was watching. I didn't care. You know, that was the first time I ever cried. Those eight minutes and 46 seconds that we sat there for George Floyd was the first time people have ever in their life seen me cry. And after that, I remember, you know, just like saying to myself, like, wow, I actually just cried. This is nuts. Like, I don't cry at all. I don't do that. But I feel like that was the first time. And I remember somebody coming to me and be like, it's okay to cry. I'm like, wow. Like that's nuts that somebody knew, you know, like I was struggling with that because there's times where I'm in a bad situation or there's things that happens that make me cry. You know, even in the presence of God, I, I go to church and even when I'm playing or when I feel the presence of God, I, I literally hold my tears. <laughs> I will literally hold them like, nope, nobody's going to see me crying. Nobody's about to. Now it's gotten to a point where, you know, after that individual told me, like, the Lord told me to tell you it's okay to cry. Like, after hearing that is when, like, every time, even when I'm playing, like, tears literally fall down my eyes as, you know, I feel, you know, something. Or when I'm upset, I'm able to cry, you know. And in the household, I don't, I don't ever think I was able to cry or, you know, I've never been around my family. I've never seen my mom nor my dad cry ever, you know? So I feel like that was the biggest time I ever, you know, just let tears flow without me, you know, sucking it up so fast and just moving, you know, quick. To, pick, to piggyback off of, um, off of, off of everybody. Um, it's funny, Gail, I was thinking about kind of your comment. I don't know, maybe our mamas might know each other because your mama sound like my mama. Um, I mean, my mama was the type of mama, knock you out, come food, and just leave you in aisle five and keep going. <laughs> uh, you know, you got, you got, oh, the talk. I told you not to touch nothing. <laughs> you got, you got the talk in the parking lot. Don't ask for nothing. I don't have no money. Don't touch nothing. Like every time you went in the store. And so, 
I, I'm with you. Like, I didn't grow up with a mom that was very emotional. There wasn't a lot of hugging, wasn't a lot of kissing. Wasn't a lot of, I just didn't grow up with that, with that type of mom. I think she had tried to portray or do her best of, of being strong, right? She tried to be this very strong person, almost like kind of represent the male, you know, part that I didn't have in the house. Um, but I say all, all that to say, I feel, especially when growing up, when it came with my uncles, that they tried to really emphasize or kind of get into my mind that it wasn't okay to be emotional. Men don't get emotional. Men don't cry. Um, men, men don't have, if they have feelings, you don't let them show, right? They're supposed to, you're supposed to internalize all your feelings. You're not supposed to cry. Um, you're not supposed to be emotional about anything. And so I can remember growing up, like my uncles were boxers. And so I can remember them teaching me how to box. And I didn't really like boxing. Like it wasn't, it, I like watching it, but I didn't like boxing. And so I can remember like my other cousins really liking boxing. And so they got favorited over me because they, they were tough because they, they would like to do this. But I was looked upon as someone who liked to read and didn't box. And, and, and that didn't equate to being a man, right? That, that, wasn't, that wasn't manly. You need, to, you need to learn how to fight. You need to learn how to defend yourself. You need to learn. And so I, I, can, I can see some sentiments from everybody that it was almost like, like when I was growing up, like it wasn't okay to be emotional. You couldn't be emotional. You couldn't cry like Keenan was saying. Uh, you couldn't. You couldn't show your emotions. You had to be tough. You had to be strong. You had to. You had to look tough. You had to be hard. Um, and if it was anything but that, it wasn't considered a man. I'll add to that. Talking about because, like, as guys, the more that they tell us to hold our emotions, they can also connect to how mental health. Think about all the stuff that we had to hold in and how it eats us up on the inside. And then later on in life. We raging out. We getting this all out. People think it might be this situation when this might be years of worth of pain that I've been holding on to. And I'm finally getting a chance to release this out. So it's really me. I get down like, why is it like emotional? Because my, my grandma, she always like, boy, you don't get these emotions out. But trust me, I had the same kind of mama who was like, don't look at nothing. Don't touch nothing. I will knock you out for you trying to buy nothing. Trust me, I got myself knocked out many times. But we really need to... We, it's mental health thing because the more we hold our emotions, the more we eat ourselves out, and then the more are we going to be stone cold to even interact with people? We're to a point where it's like, how we the question going to be now is like, instead of like, how are we going to release our emotions? How are we actually going to get ourselves to be free? And, and the better question is, are we even truly being our real selves for all the time we're holding these emotions? Are we actually being our true self? Are we actually revealing and being honest with ourselves with everything going on? Are we facing this situation head on or are we just really bypassing it because we're touching the issue that's really deep? Like, you know, yeah, all that. I'm done. I'll quiet. But it's, and, and Isaiah, you hit a good point, right? Because it's not just our own trauma that we've been holding in, right? It's generational trauma, right? Because it's like men, some of the things that we, that have been passed down to us about what it means to be a man are things that have been carried through generations of our life, right? And so it's like, think about now we're in a spot where like finally in the world, people are st starting to like pay attention to men and their emotions and their feelings, right? And so now that we we are starting to kind of find find outlets, it's like, we're we're not just processing our own shit stuff, excuse my language, our own stuff, but we're also processing that of like our fathers, whether they were in our lives or not, right? Or, or our grandfathers, whether they were in our lives or not, or not, right? Even our uncles, right? And, and, and all of that. And then we're also processing all of the trauma and experiences that all the women in our lives have had with men. 
right? Because that's something we also have to think about is the fact that like they raise us based on their experiences, right? Not just based on their assumptions of what it means to be a man, right? And that's one thing that my mom always told me. It's like, I'm not raising you to be a man. I'm just raising you to be a good person because I'm not a man, right? And she always recognized that. She's like, I'm not a man. I can't teach you to be a man, but it doesn't matter. And so she made sure, like, I have one sister, but it's three of us boys. And she treated us all the same way. She treated us all, all the same way. There's one thing that she she made us do that I hated. Trash. Me taking out the trash. Women were not such the trash. And for some reason, my roommates, like, I have two female roommates, and they will not touch the trash. They would be like, no, we're not taking out the trash. I'm like, you're filling it up. I don't even touch the trash. And you want me to touch it? I was like, I don't see a clean kitchen. Right. If I'm, I'm a basic assumption, like if you're going to do this stereotype that I got to take out the trash, then since I need the whole kitchen clean at all times. Right. Like it, it's, it's just that's always an interesting conversation to have with them also. But I don't really like taking out the trash at all no more. So <laughs> it's over. I got you preaching now. OK, go ahead. Preach on, sir. The weird part for me was my sisters were actually encouraged to cry. Like. No, and it wasn't just in my ho- um, household, but like you will see that in my community, it's encouraged for a girl to cry. You gotta be a woman. You gotta cry. You gotta be um, vulnerable. But for a man, you gotta be the shoulder to cry on. And you're like, how much gotta take in? Growing up, I used to cry all the time. I was an emotional child. I cried like every first day of school before I was until I was probably like in fifth grade. Don't tell nobody my business though. Um, <laughs> I definitely used to cry. Not only that, I used to suck my thumb, actually. I didn't stop sucking my thumb until I was 14. Um, don't judge me. See, now y'all up in my business. I'm not judging so, you. I'm just real glad that you're not buck Like, that's what I'm braces. about. <laughs> well, no, I, it was bad. I got braces in high school. Embrace the game. <laughs> you got braces and you stop sucking your thumb, right? That's what the correlation but um, I find it so hard to cry now because I feel like I was told so many times, like, stop crying. Like, why are you crying? You're crying about nothing. Stop crying. And I feel like every time that I do find myself crying, I feel like I'm crying for all the tears that I, like, haven't been able to cry. And I always feel like that's something interesting. There's another question that I want to throw out, uh, throw out there. Do you all think that there is a difference between manhood and masculinity? Are they the same thing? If they're different, how so? I feel like it's different because I feel like manhood, even though sometimes it was not um, the right thing to tell you, but it was in a way to encourage you to be this strong person, this man, this um, somebody that protects, somebody that is strong and all that. But masculinity, I feel like it was mostly, or it is mostly like your peers, it's just like a facade for the outside. It's, I feel like masculinity has nothing to do with your personality. It has to do mostly about how you appear. Are you masculine? Are you, do you seem tough? Do you, do you tick all the boxes that, are, that goes with um, what a man is supposed to be? But manhood is like you coming from being a child to growing up to be this figure, I guess. To piggyback off of um, Billy real quick, um, I find it interesting because I I agree, and I think masculinity is really invested in um, 
one, the appearance, and I think two, it always equates with being aggressive. Like you, you like if you're not aggressive or so tough or so, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it, yeah. And I don't think that has anything to do do with manhood. Those are just my sentiments. I'm still I'm still processing a lot, but but I just want to add on. Good point, Billy. But even like digging in, you're saying like I sometimes think a lot about how if you're not exuding masculinity, then people say that you're not a man, right? Like they go, they do go hand in hand, right? Like to be bluntly honest, I there are some very feminine men who pay all the bills, who you know take care of their household, who do all those things. You know what I mean? But there, there, there's something that always people. There's some people would be like they're not a man because they're not masculine, right? And I don't know if that's an individual thing or if that's a society put put on pressure, but it, it, they definitely correlate. Unfor- unfortunately, they correlate. It's not for the good of manhood in my opinion yeah um i agree with you 100 percent, gail i think i I do kind of agree with the um explanation that you know masculinity is definitely shaped more in the kind of physical uh appearance um but i definitely think you know it's it feels kind of difficult to separate the two you know um and I, and I just feel like part of that is like what Gail is saying is like, that's just what we've been, we grew up on, you know? Like, if you're not displaying what I think is masculinity, how can you, you know, fully call yourself being a man? You know what I'm saying? Um, like you said, you may still be doing all those things that people would consider a part of being a man, but if you don't look the part, then it's just like, sums off, something's not right. You know what I'm saying? And and people don't necessarily want to give you that credit, you know? Um, and I think that dives into kind of what Demetrius was hitting at is like where masculinity, you know, it has to or it has to be like this this strength. And I feel like that jump that puts us down into like, well, one of the things that I feel like we don't talk about enough, like toxic masculinity, you know? <clears throat> and and how that has been, you know, put into our minds. You know, like we, t- we talked about, you can't cry. You can't show emotion until it's anger. You know what I'm saying? Like it, all, all those things, I think we have, we have to kind of unlearn um, to an extent to really try to um, kind of tap into, you know, to see like what, what does it mean to be uh, masculine? You know, what does masculinity really look like? Is there a set description, you know, that masculinity has to be this way or, you know, can there be different ways in which it look, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, just come to mind for me, like just thinking about, you know, some of the things you guys are saying. So I think you just touched like something that is really interesting. I feel like with menhood, it kind of is general worldwide, like globally, like an idea, even if it's not right. But I feel like masculinity then becomes like a spectrum from like one country or one space to another, you know? Um, If you come from a certain area, certain things are not masculine enough, are not manly enough. Whereby like areas like somewhere in Europe, some stuff that they would do that are seen masculine are definitely thrown upon here in the US or in some African cultures. 
I would echo what you said, Billy, about the spectrum because one thing is, like, I agree about masculinity and manhood can be interchangeable. I feel like for me, it's kind of like when you listen to, when you hear masculinity, with masculinity, I see that more as kind of like the way what the world, like how the world defines what a man means. Because when it comes to masculinity, you guys, we also got to be real and talk about how the view of masculinity also comes from a white Eurocentric viewpoint. Because in America, you are fed, well, this is what white people think is what a man is. And it's a spectrum because what a man means here is a white person, what a man means for a black person. Like you got race playing a role, you got culture, you got history, you got a lot of stuff playing the role of masculinity. But for me, I see manhood as more like a personal journey of how you define it yourself. Because I feel like masculinity is what the world says, well, you're supposed to be a man, where manhood is how you personally define what it means to be a man for yourself. It's your own personal journey and how you discover more about who you are. And it's like, hey, what man means to me. <laughs> Not what you what means to y'all, what it means to me. But it also, it could be interchangeable because you learn stuff from society as well. But I feel like, yeah, that's kind of like a little bit where I'm at. It's interesting you say that because I feel like it tends to be really hard for me to identify as being masculine just because I think like all the things that I've been taught what masculinity is, I haven't really identified with except for the fact of like appearance in a way. Like I don't like sports, never liked sports. (laughs) Like I love to cook, love to clean. Like I feel like I've never had these, these quote unquote super masculine type of interest like i've always liked showing emotions like i've always just been into to expressing myself in a certain type of way and i think it's it it becomes really hard for me to even say like i'm a masculine person that sounds weird like i am a masculine person because like i don't i'm just I, i don't know i just feel like i've never fit into that box really well we're gonna stop the conversation right there stop is the wrong word we're just gonna pause I don't want this episode to become too long to the point where we don't listen to the voices, the narratives, and the stories of the men in this uh, conversation. So for the sake of time, I'm pausing it right here, and next week, we will pick up where we left off. This conversation has, (laughs) it's almost been healing and therapeutic again, hearing it. I mean, I've heard it like probably thousands of times, but it never gets old to me. I appreciate you all for listening and for taking this journey with me. I'll see you all next week. Don't forget to follow Instagram account, Rethinking Manhood, and my personal account, Destined for Greatness. Have a great and wonderful rest of your day and a wonderful week. I love you.